This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Heavenly love. Yesterday or the other day at the Passion Play, one thing that really stood out to me was you remember when Jesus comes uh, into town and there's this horde of people following him and the Sadducees, the Pharisees come up and they uh, say, did you bring all these people with you? This, this horde of people. And he said, yeah, but if, even if I didn't, the rocks would still praise me. Amen. That was so cool to me. Even the rocks would praise me. How great it is how fortunate we are to be above the rocks and be able to choose to give our praise and our adoration to our Heavenly Father. And I'm actually really proud of y'all for being here this morning. <laughs> it was a long couple of days. Amen? <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> the guy who does the schedule is not real nice. He's not real bright either. That is for sure. Yeah. Just wait. It all comes around, boys. all comes around. So standing up here, at first I thought there was a special glow in the room, but then I just realized it was a bunch of sunburnt faces, right? Not, not a special Easter glow, just uh, sunburnt faces, which we're thankful to have, right? It's, the sun feels good on us. Anyways. We're not having a, a per se Easter sermon this morning because we're going to finish out our uh, series on prayer. And I say finish, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean we're done with it. Uh, there may be more to come because uh, I'm sure there is a ton more that can be said. But so far, we have heard from three other speakers. Kaylin spoke on the story, well, on a relationship with God and how. Prayer facilitates that. Talked about Enoch, a very powerful message that he just, he walked with God and he was, right? And he was with God. Amazing. Only, only instance we have, I believe, in the Bible that's like that. He walked with God and then he was with God. Pretty amazing. Clint spoke on the power of prayer and Brian spoke on Six, I believe, six different reasons why Christians might not pray or don't pray. And thankfully, with me going last, I can kind of steal from each of them. <laughs> I, my, I don't have quite as many fences uh, to, that withhold me from speaking on things. So my, mine might encompass a little bit of all three and then some. So my task or my topic this morning is to speak about the fundamentals of prayer. And when I think of fundamentals, if you played sports like me, that I think of basketball specifically was always just, it was preached to us uh, almost. To get back to the fundamentals, get back to the basics. If you ever hear about a sports team that the coach says, you know, we've been losing, we hadn't been doing very good, and we're just going to get back to the fundamentals, right? The fundamentals, kind of sports lingo. Well, that's kind of what I want to do this morning in, in, in talking about prayer. Uh, prayer is a monumental 
thought, and at the same time, it is a simple act. That's why prayer uh, is unique. It's complex, like a spider web, yet as simple as a straight line. It's beautiful. So no, by no means will I do prayer justice this morning, but I'll attempt to do my best. James Gilmore was a missionary to the Mongolian people. He was an eccentric, strange kind of guy that fit in perfectly with them. And here's a couple quotes from him. He says, Do not we rest in our day too much, or let me start over, Do not we rest in our day too much on the arms of flesh? Cannot the same wonders be done now as of old? Do not the eyes of the Lord still run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who put their trust in him? Can God not still do the same things that he has done in the past, the days of old? Oh, that God would give me more practical faith in him, whereas now the Lord God of Elijah... Where is now the Lord God of Elijah? He is waiting for Elijah to call upon him. Where is now our God for us to call upon? He's waiting for us to call. He wants us to call. He beckons us, pleads with us to call. James records... James records... In the fifth chapter, he said, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, subject to the same things we are. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Another quote from him says, Few, even amongst the most devout, have ever fully felt how far workers in the mind of heathendom, speaking of himself being in the clutches of these Mongolian people, depend on those who hold the ropes. <laughs> He's talking about those who are in constant prayer for those who are doing the work of missionaries. Holding the ropes, he calls it. He goes on and he says, Unprayed for, this is his description, he says, Unprayed for, he would feel like a diver in the river bottom with no air to breathe, or like a fireman on a blazing building with no water in his empty hose. That was his view. That's how much he understood prayer to be of value to him. We've heard several messages on prayer Right over the past month, has your prayer life gotten better? Right? Have we have we heard these messages and taken to heart and really and tried to apply them and challenge ourselves? What's stopping us if we haven't? I want to go through a few slides here pretty quick. Very basic. Jesus prayed. We're going to read some of his prayers, most of his prayers recorded. It says in Matthew 11, it says, 
At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Jesus prayed. John eleven forty one. 41. It says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. An interesting thing, and this was in the Passion Play, remember if you recall, interesting wording here, interesting thought. He says, but I already knew that you heard me. Only reason I said it was so that those around me would know who I am or who I represent. Isn't that interesting that Jesus prayed to his heavenly Father? Jesus prayed. Matthew 26, Jesus prayed. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Jesus was sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he came unto the disciples and, finds them, and find, found them asleep and said unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter, into not, enter not into temptation, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Remember that. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time, praying, saying, Oh, my father, if, it, if, it, if this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. As I look out and think about my Savior, you know, I often forget his humanity. I do. I forget. You know, I almost look at it like, well, you know, of course he could do this because he was from God, right? I forget that, that his, his flesh was weak as well. I really do. I forget that. I forget his humanity. I forget that he felt the burdens of the flesh just like you and I did. You know, just because he, was, he came from God and that he had the Spirit of God doesn't mean that his flesh had any more power or strength or ability to avoid pain than you or I do. You know, if our kids are sick, we feel pain physically from that, emotionally from that. If we, get, if we hit our thumb with a hammer, we feel that. Jesus, he was not... He, he didn't get to not feel those things because he was God's son. And I forget that sometimes. I forget, well, surely, surely I know why he could bear the crucifixion because, well, he was God's son. But he was flesh just like you and I. And that I forget a lot. I forget just how, how human he was and how subject. So when he told Peter... He said, Peter, the flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I think he may have even been referring to himself. You know, and, and if not, he at least had, you know, he could say that with boldness because he knew good and well. That he needed the spirit to be strong in order 
to cover for the flesh's weakness. Peter's flesh was weak, but he wanted him to have a strong spirit. So just remember this, this Easter, every day of our lives, it doesn't matter. As we talk about Jesus this morning, remember his humanity. Remember his flesh. Uh, and that has really uh, sunk into me over studying for this. He needed God's spirit to overcome the weakness of his flesh just like we do. He needed that. He needed God's spirit to overcome the weakness of the flesh just like we do. All right, continuing on. Jesus prayed. John 17. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is the life eternal, that they might know thee, the only one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou hast given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world began. Jesus prayed. Luke chapter 23. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They parted his raiment and cast lots. Jesus prayed. Now you, you stop and think, well, okay. Duh. Why did Jesus pray? The Son of God prayed. He spoke audibly to God. Did he need to? Did he need to? He spoke audibly to his Father, the Son of God, who left his side to dwell on earth. Think about the significance of prayer. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself, had to do it. Notice that in Jesus' prayers, nowhere recorded in Scripture do we have God audibly responding to him. A lot of people's hesitation to prayer, I think, is because we don't ever hear back from God. Right? I just tired of praying because I never get an answer. Or if God would only speak to me and tell me this specific answer. But in all of our recorded prayers of Jesus, not once do we hear Jesus audibly responding to him an answer. That's interesting to me. We do have when he's baptized, God says to all around that this is my son in whom I am well pleased. But nowhere do we have God audibly responding to his own son. So if we allow, allow that train of thought to be a, a hesitation or a, a reason that we don't pray, let's take a look at Jesus. He didn't hear, if anybody would hear God's audible voice back and answer, it would be Jesus, right? But we don't have that. Again, I am no expert on prayer. I'll be the first to admit it. 
If you want to look at, an, uh, if you want to find somebody that's exemplary at, at prayer or a person to examine, it's not me. It's not. But in studying for this, this sermon on prayer, it has forced me to do a lot of self-examination and understanding prayer a lot differently than I have in the past. I'll explain to you how I felt about prayer for most of my adult life as a Christian. I felt and I believe that I didn't think that prayer didn't work and I didn't think that it didn't have its place. My, this, is, this was the excuse I used to not pray audibly to God. My, my excuse was that everything I do, I, I'm already trying to do it for God. I don't need to tell him, right? I don't need to voice, I don't need to audibly say to God anything. I'm trying to do everything. When I'm trying to raise my kids or be a husband or go to work or be a brother or any of these decisions I'm making, I'm, God already knows I'm trying to do them for him. So, you know, I don't really need to stop and pray. That doesn't sound all that harmful, but it's wrong. That's not right. Jesus, if, if I could use that excuse, could, not, could Jesus not have used that same excuse? Well, Jesus knew exactly what he was sent to do, knew his exact purpose, and yet he stopped to audibly speak to his father. And I didn't, for, uh, or very rarely. I just felt like, well, I already, I already know the scripture on this, and I'm going to just try to do it that way. But I didn't, I wouldn't stop, and I wouldn't talk to God audibly. I don't know if any of you have experienced prayer that way or a lack of it, because I just took it for granted. That so what I what I lacked was a real knowledge and a relationship like Caitlin talked about, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. And in, in, in the fundamentals, getting down to the basic that the basics, the fundamentals of basketball, getting down to the recipe that works. Make fundamental passes, right? Practice your free throws. Let's know our game plan, right? The fundamentals, the very basics that, that are a recipe for success. And hopefully that's, that's what we talk about this morning. So hope if, I don't know, maybe some of you have viewed prayer that way or viewed your Christian walk that way where prayer was just kind of like, when things are really bad, I'll pray because I don't know what else to do. I, have no, I, I don't know the answer to this. And I missed out. I missed out. I missed out. And in examining Jesus and I see him praying to his heavenly father, I realize how stupid that my thought process was on prayer and how much I was missing out. Jesus gives us a little bit of instruction on prayer, and we want to go through this and talk about a few of them. We'll read Matthew 6, 5. He says, and when, they, when you pray, don't, make, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets they may, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet, and when you have shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. But when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth the things you have need of before you ask him. So let's break this down a little bit. These are some of the, I would call, fundamentals of prayer. One is, 
We don't do it to be seen of men. Our example is the hypocrites, those that they wanted to appear outwardly spiritual, above others even, so they might pray often in the streets and pray loudly with much enthusiasm. They might pray with vain repetition to, oh, Father, oh, Father, you know, or, and it would just, it would be like uh, putting emphasis on it, but not for good reasons. So there are some basics for us to learn from. When we pray, pray, to, pray in our closets, pray in our secret places, pray alone, pray away from other people. We may have a good prayer life as a church, but if we don't have individual prayer lives, then we're missing out. I mean, that, that's something I've been missing out on. Uh, praying here in a congregation with you guys is great. I've got to learn how to have secret prayer. Private prayer. That's where, that's where my relationship with Jesus and God is built, is in private prayer. And I, I've, I, it's sad to say that I've missed out on that. And I'll be, I'll be completely honest with, that, with you about that. So the basics. This is speaking, and I would say none of us in here are about show or about showiness or being seen of men. That's not the issue here. But to me, the issue is more of the private prayer, the value of it. And then secondly, uh, well, lastly here in verse 8, this is a very interesting verse to me which speaks to my heart. He says, but, not, but be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth the things you have need of before you even ask him. So then that boils down, or makes me beg the question, well, then what am I praying for? I've, that's maybe another excuse that some people have used. If Jesus already knows what I need, then why would I say it? I don't know. But Jesus himself spoke to the Father audibly. At one point, he says that so that others might see that he was the Son of God, but other times he, we have recorded him praying privately for the sake of him interceding with his father. So why in the world would we pray for things that God already knows we have need of? Does that ever be a hindrance to your prayer life? Has it ever been? Have you ever questioned that, thought about that? And the answer is relationship. It's that secret prayer life. It's building upon the foundation of the trust that we should have for Jesus. Okay, it all, that, that's the only thing I can think of when I look at Jesus and see him praying to the Father. He was there to do the Father's business, but yet he still talked and prayed to his Father. When Clint spoke, he, uh, he said something really important. One thing, it wasn't most of his lesson wasn't important, but he said one thing that was really important. I'm just kidding. He said that when the disciples were around Jesus, they didn't ask him to teach us how to do this. They didn't teach us how to do that. They didn't, they didn't go to Jesus saying, Jesus, teach us you know, this, this miracle or that. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And there is some great value to those words. Lord, teach us to pray. So we have some more instruction here. Lord, teach us to pray. Let's read Luke 11. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. I don't even know if I'm reading this. 
I'm just, I don't even know if I'm actually reading the words <laughs> or if I'm remembering it. I better, uh, we prayed this prayer in football and, uh, you know, thankfully that we still did that then and it stuck with me. But let me start over because I might have been saying my own little football prayer. When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, will be done as it is, as in heaven so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Jesus is trying to teach us how to pray here. He is trying to give us a pattern but he's not trying to give us a formula that's to be checked and followed. He's trying to teach us some things here. Let's look at a few things that he's trying to teach us. Very basic. He's trying to teach us an attitude of dependence on the Father. An attitude of dependence. And that's what he wants them to know. They, what pattern are we looking at here? What types of things does he want us to know? Or pattern our prayer life after? Well, number one, our Father. He wants us to have an intimacy with God. Our Father, right? Just as we do our earthly fathers. The immenseness of God, our Father which art in heaven, we recognize His supremacy, His greatness. We recognize His holiness versus our holiness. May Your name be holy, that we should pattern ourselves after His holiness. And it's His kingdom. His will be done as opposed to what? Our will. We're praying, Father, your will be done as opposed to my will. He's trying to help us to bear ourselves wide open in prayer to God in these ways. Your will, your kingdom, not mine. He goes on and talks about daily provision. God, I trust you for daily provision. This day, our daily bread. Just one day at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. One day. And then forgiveness. As we forgive those who sinned against us, God, forgive us. Again, he's trying to teach us a posture. A posture of recognizing God's presence in our lives. Not just some prayer that we repeat over and over again, right? That's not the point. So why did the apostles, if, if they walked with Jesus, they obviously came to this conclusion that they needed to ask this question, right, that Clint asked. But why? Why that question? Why that question? And I believe it was because after walking with Jesus, they wanted to tap into the resources that they saw Jesus tap into with his prayer life. They wanted a piece of that connection with God that they saw him experience. Wouldn't you? If you walked with Jesus, you'd say, I want what you got. I don't just want to be able to do this and that and this and that. I want that connection to the source. I want to plug right in. I don't want an adapter. I want to plug right into the source of power. And that's, I believe, ultimately why they asked what, what he asked. Lord, teach us to pray because 
I believe that was the source of Jesus' power. Really, it was his prayer life with his Father. And I want it to be ours. I want it to be mine. They came to recognize that while they could be believers in the Lord, they could follow him, they could not be true disciples who would become like their teacher unless they learned to pray to the Father in the same way, the intimate way that Jesus prayed with great dependency on his Father, the way he demonstrated it. And they wanted to be connected to God just the way Jesus was. Lord, teach us to pray. A bold statement here that Jesus could do nothing. Jesus was absolutely powerless in the flesh. Absolutely powerless. He says it himself multiple times right here. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord. He's powerless. Completely powerless. Have you ever thought about Jesus that way? Completely powerless. But only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. John 8. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Jesus had nothing. Nothing. He was powerless. And he went, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. No wonder the apostles would go to Jesus and say, teach us to pray. <laughs> because they knew that Jesus, the only way that he could do these things was through this miraculous power of prayer. That's the only thing I can figure. They didn't look at him and say, man, you're strong, and, or you're a great speaker, or you're, you, know, you really know how to win an audience. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach us to connect to that source. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. All night he continued in prayer to his Father. But God already knew what he needed. He didn't have to pray all night to his father. He had to. <laughs> he needed to. He physically needed that to be able to carry out what he had to carry out. And when the day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve who he named apostles. You know, Jesus didn't call together a group of men to decide. He didn't hold a council. He didn't have a vote to choose the the, his apostles, what did he do? He went all night and prayed to his father. Let that be a lesson to us men as we try to lead our families, a church, our community, wives as we try to uh, teach our children, support our husbands. Let that be an example to us in our decision-making process. He prayed all night that he might make this decision. As if he didn't know. He didn't. He needed the Father. And he tapped into that through prayer. He had complete, needed complete dependence on his Father. 
For Jesus, prayer was his way of life, an absolute necessity, a means for communion with his Father. We don't read of him reviewing the qualifications of each of the men. You know, well, this guy's pretty good at this. That guy excels at this. He, tapped, he, he went to the Father in prayer. I hope we learn that lesson. Jesus could do nothing. And Mark says that that evening at sundown, they brought him, all who were sick and oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered around or together at the door, and he healed many who were sick and, uh, with various diseases and cast out many demons. Verse 35, and rising very early in the morning, it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. There we go again, we see this, this privacy of prayer, this intimacy with the Father. Let that be a lesson to us. And Simon and those who were with them searched for him, and they found him and said, Everything is looking, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let's go to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. That is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Remember that Jesus had no power of himself, yet he cast out demons. And he, he, stop and think about his humanity for a second. He said, guys, I had to go out in private prayer in order to go and preach and cast out demons. I had to go out in private. I had to go tap into the source of my power. I had to go to God in prayer. If we aren't praying that way, we are missing out. In the midst of a busy schedule, Jesus, he, he could have given a million excuses why he couldn't do something. He was busy. He really was busy. Men and women clamoring for his attention to heal my child or heal, heal my spouse or my brother or my mother. Christ knew the necessity and the importance of retiring into silent prayer, to quiet prayer, to private prayer. Do we ever use the excuse, I'm too busy. I just don't have time. And then we find ourselves throughout the week, our energy, our prayer life, or our, our spiritual energy, so to speak, or our ability to decipher and make good decisions is drained completely. The tank is empty. Because we haven't tapped into the source that gives us the strength to carry out our Christian walk. We were too busy. Jesus made time. He, it was a necessity for him to retire in, in secret prayer. He had to do it. So if we use that excuse, we're too busy, then we're going to suffer for it. And prayer, it won't be what God intended for it to be for us. Jesus could not have carried out his duties. Even though he was a son of God, without prayer. What are we trying to do in our lives but leaving prayer out? Right? Not taking time for prayer. It's really easy. It's really easy to not do it. Jesus could do nothing. John chapter 14. Do you not believe that I am the Father 
I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. If we want the Father to dwell in us, we must pray. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I have done, that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I, I don't even have words to talk about prayer the way that we could, or that I should, or to express it in a, in a way that it's important. What more do we need to say? What more can I say that prayer is important, that Jesus patterned it for us, that he tells us that he couldn't do it without prayer? I don't, there's nothing more I could say that would, that would excel or to, to make us realize how valuable prayer is other than to challenge my own self to be better at it. That's it. Jesus knew, and it was very obvious, that he could do nothing by himself. No power. The story here that we read in Luke with the fishermen... uh, We'll read read a few verses of it. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So, got in the boat, he did a little preaching from the boat, and when he was finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night, and took nothing. And I think that was my attitude for a lot of years. Maybe that's your attitude. Jesus tells us to pray. He patterns it for us. And yet, we respond with, I got this. I got this. I can't imagine what Peter was thinking. Jesus, listen. (laughs) Listen. I've been fishing for 20 years, man. I, I caught more fish, you know. I caught bigger fish. I caught more fish. You know, my dad was a fisherman. My grandpa taught me how to fish, Jesus. You're going to come up here. I know you can heal people, and I know that you can draw a crowd. You got that on me. But when it comes to fishing, I don't think I need a lesson from you. Is that not what had to been rattling around in his mind? For him to even stop for a second and challenge Jesus and say, Okay, I'll do it, but first, just let me tell you, we tried all night. <laughs> you know, like he's telling God what is going to happen. How many times do we do that? I'm going to pray, I'm going to kind of pray, but I'm gonna, I already know what's going to happen. I already know how this is going to work out, but God, I'll do it anyways. I've been doing this a lot longer than you, Jesus. We know they, <laughs> they have to call in another boat because they load the one up. Man, I want to be like that. 
I, w- I want to say, God, load the boats up. And I want my prayer life to be that source to where my, the boats are full, right? The, there's, it's plenteous. There's no uh, lack. There's no lacking. And I think that, spiritually speaking, our lives can be full like those boats if we'll tap into the source of prayer like he wants us to. Prayer. Prayer. We talk about Christian living, and we do. We pride ourselves on, on, on being godly this and godly that and godly this. Those are all important, but those, those things don't come and don't stay without prayer. Our boats spiritually don't become full without prayer. And I want my boats to be full. I want to quit saying, God, I got this. You stick to what you're good at. I'll stick to what I'm good at. Even though he was a carpenter, so he probably has got me beat on that too. So, I'm not going to really challenge him there. God, I got this. I can do this. Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. As if he didn't know that. Let's trust him. Prayer is building a muscle of trust. Building a muscle of dependence. And agreeing with yourself that you don't got this. And being okay with that. I don't got this. But I trust you that you do. We have to train ourselves to think that way. We do. And I think it's through prayer. I can do nothing. Galatians says that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. It's only through that living through Christ. And we pattern ourselves after him and when it comes to our prayer life as well. Philippians, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work at your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. It starts with prayer. If we want to be workmen for the kingdom, it starts with prayer. When we look at some necessity or some, some basics, fundamentals of prayer, when you look out throughout Scripture, fasting and prayer are tied together. And we don't utilize fasting near as much as I think we should, speaking to me personally. Fasting and prayer are always tied together. When you fast, if you've ever fasted for any amount of time and challenged yourself, you talk about creating a dependence on God. Fasting does it. Fasting says, okay, I am not dependent on nutrients anymore, God. I am dependent on your spirit. Fasting will do it. And fasting and prayer are tied together. So if you want to learn to pray, I suggest you fast. Fast. It is transformational. It is life-changing. Because everything that we love, we give up in fasting. Right? (laughs) You give it up because we love food. That's uh, number one that we love, right? And we give that up and say, God, you must fill me. You must fill me. You are my only source of nutrition. And it is a humbling experience. Fasting and prayer are an amazing tool. So we go, what we want to go is from transactional to transformational prayer. Transactional prayer is like God or Abraham bargaining with God 
over Sodom and Gomorrah, right? This many people, okay, well, no, how about this many people? We want something from God. We're expecting something from God. That's transactional prayer, bargaining with God. I'll attend church more if, God, you'll do this, or I'll give this thing up, or I'll, I'll put this away if you'll just do this for me, or I'll dedicate more time to you, God, if financially I'm stable, right? Or if this happens, or if that happens, I'll finally trust you in this area, God, if something is fulfilled. That is transactional prayer, and that is not the prayer that God wants us to have. Transactional prayer is not what he wants. Uh, Brian mentioned this set of passages in Luke here, and, his, and we're going to uh, steal a little bit from that. Luke 11, and he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go out to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is shut now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend. Yet because of his impudence, what's that, annoyance, <laughs> his uh, stick to maybe, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Stop there. If, you, if you're not careful, you'll see this as transitional or transactional prayer, right? Because at first glance, that's how it, that's how it appears. That's how it sounds, right? Transactional. God, I, I'm going to bug you enough, right? I'm going to bug you enough until I get what I want, and then I'll do this. Transactional prayer. But if we pay really close attention... Verse 13 will clarify it all for us, and it will give us the key and the answer. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Because then we don't ask for fish. We don't ask for bread. We don't ask for this, or we don't ask for that. We don't ask for health. We don't ask for this, for protection. We don't, so we don't say, say, God, this is dependent upon this. We say, give us the Holy Spirit. Give us the Holy Spirit, and everything else will work out. Give us the Holy Spirit. That's, that goes from transactional. God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. I'll fulfill my role if you'll help me out with this. And I know that that's challenging you to think about. But what he says, what he wants us to really know here is that, yes, your father cares about you, but it, what he really wants you to have is the Holy Spirit, which is transformational, which changes your life, okay? From transactional prayer to transformational prayer, how much more will your heavenly father give to them that have need? Jesus is trying to describe the posture of prayer to his discipleship, that the essence of prayer is to cultivate a deeper awareness of God's indwelling within us. 
a deeper awareness of his indwelling inside of us. Not our need for this or for that. Jesus was able to do what he was able to do because he had the Holy Spirit. That's it. Not because he was powerful. Not because you know, physically he was better than anybody else. It was because he had the Holy Spirit. And his prayer life with the Heavenly Father is what gave him strength. It was that source that he needed. Here's a quote from Richard Foster that I love. It says, in one sense, prayer is complicated. How can a finite human spirit be in communion with the infinite spirit of the universe? It would burn out the circuits of our mind to understand it. But in another sense, prayer is incredibly simple. God answers prayers because his children ask. And we look at this story, uh, the, this idea of this bread, the fish, uh, the stone, and the serpent. If, if we look at this, this example, we think, well, God, surely what parent gives their kid a stone instead of bread or a, a snake instead of a fish? That sounds kind of stupid, <laughs> you know? Like, I know some bad parents, but I don't know any that are trying to hand out snakes to their kids. Does that sound about right? Kind of silly. But what I want to challenge this morning is that sometimes when we pray, in God's eyes, we're asking for serpents. Or we're asking for stones. And he's trying to give us bread. Or, maybe sometimes what God is giving us, what we really need, feels like a stone. Or it feels like a serpent. It doesn't feel like bread to us. You know, we don't trust it because it's difficult. It's challenging. It pushes us. Do we trust that God really knows what we need? Are we living a life that God wants to pour out His Spirit upon us? It's not worth while to waste much time in defending or advocating prayer. Experiment makes argument needless. This is not so much a science to be mastered by study or is it an art to be learned, but as to be studied as an art to be learned by practice. Like the Bible, prayer is self-evidencing. It is a mysterious union of divine and human elements, not easy of explanation. That's true. As I stand up here trying to explain it, I have a difficult time. <laughs> it's difficult. But to him who prays and puts God to the test along the lines of his own precepts and promises, God proves how real a force prayer is in his moral universe. The best way to prop up prayer is to practice it. Just do it. Just do it. I want us to have our minds transformed into tapping into God as our source, as our source of power, and viewing prayer as that plugging into Him. Think about that physically. When you pray verbally to God, you're plugging it, or, or 
right? Stopping what you're doing and focusing on God, maybe not verbal, but secretly, privately, you're tapping into that source. And if you don't tap into that source, then you lose the power that God intends for you to have. Jesus knew it. He exemplified it in his life. He did not forsake prayer to his Father. He said that I could do nothing without the Father. You and I can do nothing without the Father as well. No power, no goodness within us. And prayer is our key to tap into that. I believe that the Holy Spirit transforms us when that's what we want and not answers to prayers necessarily or we're not afraid to hear God say, well, no, or we're not afraid to pray because it may not work out exactly like we want it to. Prayer should be our connection to the Father, and that's it. Everything else is, it'll work itself out, God, but I'm connected to you. <laughs> Financially, I'm connected to you. You know, My health, I'm connected to you. My kids' lives, their future, their salvation, you know, my parents' salvation, or this, this I, I'm, I trust you. I'm connected to you, God. Use me. Do what you want with me. I'm connected to you. I'm plugged into the power source. That's what prayer should be about. Not transactional, giving and taking. We'll throw that out the window when we've got the Spirit leading us to, to better things. And uh, that's what I want. I want to have a transformation in my mind about the value of prayer, the purpose of prayer. And ultimately, I want to be plugged into that power source all the time, every day, every decision. And uh, mm, I've missed out. I've missed out. So I want to pattern that better for my kids and for Megan and for y'all. And most of all, to God, I want to have better private prayer, secret time. Lord, teach us to pray. That's what we want. We need help being taught just the same as they did. Lord, teach us to connect. Teach us to plug into you. So, again, thank the other men for their time and their preparation, thoughts on prayer. And uh, as a congregation, may we excel at prayer. May we encourage each other and dedicate ourselves privately to prayer. Thank you for your attention. Let's stand and sing our closing song. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.